Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with the delightful Farmer Lee Jones from the Chef's Garden in Ohio, who you may recognize from his iconic outfit, a crisp white shirt, red bow tie, and bib overalls. Farmer Lee's one real good thing is to eat whole plants top to bottom. There are so many delicious but overlooked parts of the produce we eat. And after listening to this, you will be inspired to make the most of those often tossed out carrot tops, broccoli stems, Brussels sprout leaves, and more. He also enlightens us about regenerative agriculture and why he uses it on the farm. So Farmer Lee Jones, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with me today on One Real Good Thing. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. I've been excited about this all week. Oh, thanks. Me too, actually. And, you know, I'm so excited to introduce the listeners to you. You grew up on this farm in Ohio, which your dad started, but you turned it into literally and by name, you named it the chef's garden, but it literally is the chef's garden because you began supplying produce, top quality produce to some of the best chefs in the country. So I'd really love to, I know this isn't your style necessarily, but I'd really love you to name drop a little, <laughs> but which are the chefs that you have su supplied um, to their restaurants? Well, I, I don't want to take credit for anything personally. It's a family business. And we lost the family farm in 1983 when I was 19. And my dad, my brother and I started over. And we started ironically at farmers markets when they were at a, his, uh, a historic low. Um, today, they're at a historic high. But we, we started at farmers markets, we met a European influence chef, her name was Iris Balin. And she turned us on to Parker Bosley. And then early on, we met Jean-Louis Paladin, who came to the Watergate Hotel in DC. And he turned us on to Danielle Ballou, Michelle Richard, John George von Richten, Alain Ducasse, uh, Danielle Ballou, Charlie Trotter, Thomas Keller, Ritz Carlton's Four Seasons. We really focused on the top end of the market because as a small family farm, we felt like we had to really reach for the highest quality that we could and go after the, the chefs that were really focused on the quality and the flavor. The three things that we heard from those chefs over and over and over again repeatedly were the flavor was the most important, flavor was the second most important, and flavor was the third most important. <laughs> but do that naturally, do it without chemical and do it with do it the right way, grow the product the right way. And and they've been such great mentors and we're just so grateful that they gave us a chance to be able to be a small part of the culinary industry. And, you know, it's been 40 years working and, and taking care of chefs. And we're just, yeah. you know, and it's always uncomfortable for me to name those great chefs because, you know, there's a lot of chefs that maybe don't have that name status, but they're just as great to us as all of them. And we're just so grateful that they've given us the privilege as a small family farm to somehow be able to be relevant in agriculture in America today. And we're well, not a 30,000 acre farm. Well, without your fabulous food, their food, they know that their food would not be as good. And I, so you get a lot of credit there. And actually it's amazing how 
your presence in the culinary world. I remember meeting you at first at the James Beard Foundation Awards at Lincoln Center at a black tie party. And there you are in your bib overalls and white shirt and red bow tie. And that is your iconic kind of outfit. So I don't know, maybe many people are, re- are realizing now, oh, I have seen him somewhere because that's a very unique outfit. But there's one part of your outfit that is not normally recognized that I would like to call out, and that is your very warm and friendly smile and demeanor. And I, it wouldn't be you without that. So that is evident right away. And definitely in talking with you, I get that completely. So I, I, I love that about you as well. And you've been in this restaurant world. So here's where things took a really big change because when COVID hit, clearly the restaurants were not demanding your products because many of them were shut down or in at a bare bones sort of level of operations. And so you had to really pivot quickly. And while that was incredibly challenging, I'm sure uh, you are one to rise to challenges, I know. But also, it really, I think in the end, I don't know if you agree with this, is really benefiting more of us now because now, folks, anyone can order from the Chef's Garden Farm. And you can go on the website and order a box of gorgeous produce. I know I just got one as a gift from you, and it is amazing. I've been eating from from it all week, and just I made a beautiful um, Ukrainian borscht from it from the beautiful root vegetables. And um, in any event, um, now it's great that you can actually order directly online from you. So that's cool. And um, But tell me about this pivot. How difficult was, I mean, I can imagine that was extremely challenging. Well, it it was, but we have an amazing team here. Uh, We have 150 families that are gainfully employed here on the farm. And uh, we were committed to keeping that team together, to keeping them safe, keeping them fed, and keeping a paycheck. And that was a challenge because before COVID hit, 100% of our revenue was direct to chefs. The good news is, is that the chefs are now recovering and we have the home delivery in place and we're, we're committed to keeping that going. Um, but, you know, the difference when we lost the farm in the um, early 80s, there was no there was no safety net. We were selling, my dad was selling by the truckload wholesale. And it it was probably a month into COVID. And I mean, it had just, it was sort of like deja vu because when we lost the farm, everything, I stood at 19 and watched the entire farm be auctioned off one piece of equipment at a time, including my mother's house, our house, not my mother's, but I think of it as mom's house, but our home and my mother's car. And, uh, there wasn't a safety net. And the very first thing we did when we pivoted and we worked, our marketing team literally worked round the clock to take a informational website and turn it into something that people could go online and order. And one of the cool things was our sales staff who are some of the most seasoned, knowledgeable experts on vegetables were taking phone calls. Usually when you call in to order um, online, you, you know, it's all digital. And our team was there and they're like, hello, this is Cynthia. Can I help you? And I think that there was like people were calling and putting an order in because we were all scared. And, you know, to call in here, Midwestern hospitality and friendliness and say, you know what? Thanks for calling and order one of these boxes. And I think it was pleasant for them. But uh, 
the very first thing that we did was send out 300 boxes to our chefs and say, we're really, because it was a horrible situation for the chefs and they're at home now with their families. And so we sent a box to them at home and said, Hey, we'd love for you to cook with this at home. We know it's a difficult time right now. And by the way, we're launching a, a uh, nationwide home delivery. We'd love for you to take some pictures of what you do and post them. And so there was a real organic support system there. And about a month in, and I was exhausted because it was just like I went on adrenaline for the first month. There was so much pressure to keep things going. And I started looking down through Facebook and Instagram and seeing the posts of support from the chefs. And I just, I just bawled. I was just so moved by the support that those chefs gave us. And they're like, no way, you're not going away. We're keeping you in business. And, and, and you they are did. Not, and you are not going away. That is for sure. Right. And there's a real community there, I think, is what you're getting at. And yes. that is a beautiful thing, even if we're not necessarily meeting up every Sunday in person, you know, it's like there's oh, a real community here. There really is. Yeah. And, and that's something to really hang on to, I think. Um, so I love your one real good thing. And I want to get into that. So just to, I want to say it out loud. It's eat whole plants top to bottom. So, but before we really dig into that, because if anyone is great at no talking about intended. this, <laughs> it's going to be you, but exactly before we dig in, I didn't even realize that before we dig in, I do want to enlighten people as to a farming method that you use that you were talking to me about. And I just want to talk about it briefly, but I want to turn people onto this word because you say that you farm using regener regenerative agriculture. And in your book, which I have, oh my goodness, this book is incredible, which I'll refer to a little bit more too. Um, you say that this type of farming, regenerative agriculture goes beyond sustainable agriculture. So if you could just give us, enlighten us as to what that means, what is that? Um, you know, if we think of the word sustain, it, it, the picture that comes to my head is, is that you're hanging on to the chin-up bar by your finger, fingernails and just sustaining. We're, we're still keeping above water and we haven't drowned. Have you seen me doing chin-ups? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen me doing chin-ups? Uh, <laughs> but when you think of sustain, to sustain, it's hanging on. Regenerative is it's you're rebuilding, you're growing people, you're leaving the land. Well, of course, one of the goals for a farmer has been for years to leave the land in better condition for future generations. And that's a noble goal. It's still one of our goals. It's an important goal because environment is really critical. But I think what hasn't been factored in in the past, I can remember when I was a kid, 18, 19 years old, some of my neighboring friends that were on farms, uh, factories would move into rural areas like ours because they knew there were a lot of farm kids to hire and they got five bucks an hour working off the farm. And when I was 18 or 19, five bucks an hour was way better than we made, ever made when we were working on the farm and working 80 or 100 hours a week. So I think that it, it's imperative that the team members, all of the team members, get paid a fair wage that have hospitalization available, that they have vacation days, they have sick days, they have personal days. And there's a safety net for them. And that's really critical to us to think about the environment, to think about the people, think about the land, and think about the nutritive value of what we're producing. Are we providing something that's a value to people or are we just 
producing goods and selling them because we want to sell a lot of widgets to make money. It's never been about making money. It's about trying to do something really special. And, and, and for 40 years, it was trying to grow something really special for chefs. And dad, you know, had a saying that the only thing we're trying to do, Lee, is get as good as the growers were 100 years ago. Nutrition levels were high if you go back 100 years. And if you think about the way that they were farming, about 100 acres was a large farm because that's about all one family could take care of. To make that even smaller, a third of it was in pasture, a third of it was sitting fallow, and a third of it was growing crops to take to market. And then there was a true sense of rotation where the pasture was the year before, they would rotate. Today, it's more of a rotation of corn, wheat, beans, corn, wheat, beans. It's rotating, but it's not ever letting the land sit fallow. You can go back to biblical times in the Old Testament, and it talks about harvesting fruit for six years. On the seventh year, let the fruit fall to the ground, and they let the land rest, and they let the grapes compost, and you rebuild. It's, we kind of look at farming and soil really as, like a relationship. If... Um, if I walked out on my wife for a year and hadn't called her or hadn't told her where I was going or why I was gone and then walked back in a year later and said, hi, honey, I'm home. I don't think it would come over very well. And we kind of look at that soil the same way. You've got to be given back because we want to take something good from it. And so that's really been a core. But we've gone back to agricultural books that are 100 years old and looking at the way that they were farming and trying to get as good as they were then. Right. That's amazing. So it's really about um, improving the health, constantly improving the health of the soil. And that makes for healthier vegetables and fruits. And also, I, I love that you're also addressing the needs of the workers, um, because that is part of the ecosystem of a farm. So thank you for that. Um, let's dig into the one real good thing, because this is great. And what I, when you and I had discussed this, so the one real good thing from Farmer Lee Jones is to eat whole plants top to bottom, right? So eat the whole plant. So much of the produce that we buy, we immediately throw out as soon as we get home. So most of us will throw away the carrot tops or the beans greens or um, uh, the leaves on the Brussels sprouts, for example. And so it's about really recognizing and turning, tuning into some of the culinary delights of these foods, of these elements of the plant. And also, I think it's really in an interesting way to think about eating vegetables because we I mean, I feel like part of what I do is basically you could call me a vegetable marketer. I mean, that is like one of my goals in life is to get people to eat I more vegetables. <laughs> and so, I mean, we're in the same business in a way, farmerly. I was just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but one You'd of You'd look the way cuter in the overalls than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things... I think it helps to think about eating vegetables in different ways. So I think color is a great way to think about it. But this notion of eating all of the parts of the plant, so thinking about the plant as roots, leaves, stems, flowers, buds, um, fruit, seed. So actually, the plants can provide all of those things. And, and you're the one who can really, is really here to tell us about this. But one of the things that I loved after we talked about this I think it's a really great way to think about eating plants and that when you get all of those parts from a nutritional perspective, you're getting a spectrum and a well-rounded 
array of nutrients automatically. You don't have to kind of stress about it. Am I getting enough vitamin B6 or whatever? Because it's going to all be um, in balance when you eat all the different parts of the plants. And so after we had originally discussed that, then I saw the table of contents in your book, conveniently enough, is stems and stalks. These are the chapters, stems and stalks, leaves, roots, flowers, buds, pods, and seeds edible flowers. So it really is in line with the way you look at food as well. And so, so talk, tell, talk to us about this. How can we, in a very practical way, start to incorporate different parts of the plant that maybe we're not tuned into? Yeah. And, you know, we really kind of, the symbiotic relationship between chef and farmer working together has really helped us because it just, I can remember going into a field if if the listeners have ever had a garden and they planted radishes or turnips or something, they can be a beautiful product on Friday and we have 90 degrees heat. And uh, at the end of the, the month in May, uh, around Memorial Day, and all of a sudden they've shot a seed stalk and we were actually plowing a field under because it had gone from a perfect radish with a nice green top uh, proportionately sized to a seed stalk that had shot up out of the center and it had turned into a flowering plant because the goal of the plant is to reproduce life. And out of that flower then comes a seed. And I had a chef in, in the uh, truck with me in the pickup and we're driving down the dirt lane. And my brother was in the field plowing the field under. And the chef jumped out of the truck, ran in front of a moving tractor and flagged him down. My brother, unfortunately, my brother saw him <laughs> stopped the tractor, shut it off, and we all convened to a huddle up in the middle of this radish field. And he started eating them and handed them to us to taste. He's like, why are you plowing this under? Don't you realize what I can do with this on the plate? And it's that was sort of a, a V8 moment, if you will. But, you know, what we've learned from chefs is that at every single stage of the plant's life, it offers something unique to the plate there were two two different thought processes being able to give them a different look and something different on the plate but the other part is unless you've lived under a rock for the last three years you know there's a 40 percent food waste issue in america and you know in european countries over the thousands of years of survival they've learned to utilize every part of an animal now you see thomas keller take the oxtail and bring it and create an amazing dish and it's $150. The oxtail was what us peasants um, could afford perhaps at some point. And uh, it was the leftover pieces, but they used every part of it. And so they celebrated and gave respect to the animal by utilizing every part of the animal. And what better way to be able to celebrate all the love, all the water, all the nutrient, all the, all the, the nurturing and the care that's gone into that plant than to use the entire plant. But I do think that it really does give you balance in what you're eating. I would defy the listeners, if you were blindfolded, to be able to tell the difference in a Brussels sprout leaf and a collard green. If you think about it, they're in the cruciferous family, the cabbage, the cauliflower, the broccoli, the collards, uh, the Brussels sprouts, all in the same family. And so you have this majestic plant that gets four and a half to five feet tall. It takes seven, eight, nine months for the purple ones, 10 months for the purple ones to grow. And you have these beautiful leaves and nature 
has the leaf provided up that grows up the stalk to be able to provide a canopy to keep the, the Brussels sprout from sunburning. But all we do is pick off the Brussels sprout off of the stalk and there's these beautiful leaves. Why not utilize those and loaded in vitamin C, loaded in all kinds of vitamins and give us a different perspective of the same plant, respecting the plant, giving reverence to the plant, considering the environment, considering it's really about balance and everything and reducing waste. If we're going to put the energy into this, let's get the full utilization out of it. As a farmer, we love to see that. I, chef Jamie Simpson uh, did all of the recipes in the book. He's uh, our chef here on the farm at the Culinary Vegetable Institute, actually has done a vegetable marrow with the stalk of the Brussels sprout. I've seen him take the whole stalks and throw them I'm seeing more and more fire cooking, fire pit cooking happening and just throw those whole stalks in fire and just have them charred and blackened. And really you're like, there's no possible way that could be edible and then cut it open. And it's just absolutely delicious on the inside. Oh, that sounds fabulous. I, I have to try that actually sometime. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. So I think a lot of times when we go to the store already, those leaves are cut off for us. So maybe at your farmer's market, maybe you could even request them from the farmer. He, he or she would probably be thrilled to snip some for you and bring them the following week, I'm sure. Um, but let's say the way we even normally get things say from a grocery store, um, for example, the tops of the carrots, we, they usually come on, we tear them off, we throw them away. But actually, I love to use those carrot green tops as a, a garnish. First of all, they're beautiful just to sprinkle over hummus or something. If you're making like, I have this roasted carrot and hummus dish that I use the roasted carrots on top of the hummus. And then I use the greens on top of that as a garnish. And it just adds yeah. a ton of carroty flavor. Um, and so it's sort of like could be used instead of parsley. And in that way, also, you can make a delicious pesto out of those greens. I might exactly. mix yeah, I might mix it with a little bit of parsley or something for balance of flavor, um, or maybe even some basil, but it makes a delicious pesto. So you can use it like that. Um, so like, let's brainstorm some other things. So uh, same thing with radish greens, beet greens. I think people often throw away those greens. What are, are And there I any think that even at, at the farmer's market, a lot of times their uh, uh, customers ask for them to top them. And so a lot of times there's a pile there. You probably could get them for free because they're laying there and they would give them to you. We would give them to you because you have customers that say, could you top those for us? And we're like, oh, no, take that home and try it and steam that down with a little vinegar and a little bit of cracked salt. It's loaded in vitamins. And, you know, but, you know, carrot, I, I think it's interesting that you brought it up. If you think about carrots for thousands of years, we only ate the top of a carrot. and now for the last 300 years, we only eat the bottom of the carrot and we throw away the top. But we, we actually have recipes at our farmer's market and we say, no, don't, don't cut that top off. Here's a recipe that you can just exchange the basil for the carrots and run it through a puree and use it as a replacement for the basil. And you've got an amazing pesto with, yeah. the, you know, with the carrot tops. Oh, that's, cr that's really interesting that we used to just eat that. Um, Let's like talk, let's go down the plant a little bit, because one of the things that I found fascinating in the book is you have several recipes in your book. And the book's name, by the way, is The Chef's Garden. And that's the name of the farm as well. And the website, and there'll be links to that on my website. So definitely check it out. Um, but 
you have a lot of recipes for garlic roots. So apparently I have never actually, I guess I've seen garlic root kind of dried and then I just cut them off as I'm using the dried garlic. But I guess from what I'm seeing in your book, that garlic roots are quite long and have a lovely flavor. Now I need to get in on that. Tell, tell us about garlic roots. Well, I can remember the day that it sort of, again, that B8 moment, um, my wife left a nursing career because she really wanted to work on the farm with us. And she was working in, in the herb section of the farm and dad being the seasoned old school grower was, would go around to the growers and talk to them about problems they were having. And his, he always said, you know, the best way to tell what's happening above the ground is to find out what's going on below the ground. And of course, that's why soil balance is so critical. So I saw them pull a garlic up out of the, out of the ground. We were actually growing them in pots and really nice, soft, lush soil. And when they pulled it out, there was this really long root system like foot feet and, long. Yeah, like a foot or more long. And they were very tender. And they both looked at each other. And she ran over to the garden hose and gently cleaned the dirt. The dirt just came right off because they were just out. If you would have waited an hour, it would have been difficult to come off. But they pulled it out, put the hose on, and they were bright white. And the chefs just love this garlic root. I mean, it, it's amazing on a salad. It's amazing. I've seen Chef Jamie actually take and deep fry them and make like a little nest out of them to put then a quail egg or something like that in. And it's not just for chefs. I mean, and they're so healthy for you. I mean, and the garlic root is just nice, intense garlic flavor. It's not going to knock you out, but it's really got that, that beautiful aroma and bouquet of, of garlic to it. And that's, it's a part that we would have normally thrown away. That's just so eye-opening. Now, do you sell garlic root at all on your website? We do. Absolutely. All right, I'm yes. gonna, I need to get some. I must try some. And so now let's go to the top of the plant. So we're, we're really making our way through this whole plant notion. And so now when you're buying groceries, when you take them home, really look at the whole plant and say, hey, maybe I can eat more of this. Oh, just a quick, easy one, guys, is as we're working our way back up the plant is broccoli stalks. Like don't just take it's it, the broccoli stalk. If you, sometimes the outer part of it can be a bit tough. So if you just peel that just with a peeler or with your knife, the inside I think is like one of the best parts of the broccoli. And then you can kind of just include that in whatever stir fry or steaming that you're doing. Um, and you just chop it into coins or I grate that up and make it, it makes a fabulous slaw. So using those stalks as well of the broccoli, I think that's a typically thrown away thing, which is a shame. Going further up the plant, we've talked about some leaves. Let's talk about flowers because especially in springtime now, and, and you sent me a gorgeous array of edible flowers, and it almost feels like you're doing something kind of like, like you're you're like a fairy tale. You're in a fairy tale eating these gorgeous flowers that are actually delicious, beautiful garnishes um, and, and have nutritional value. Uh, one common flower is the zucchini flower that's often stuffed. Um, but I think even in the States here, I mean, that's super common in Europe, but not even so common here. So let's talk about flowers a little bit. Well, the zucchini bloom is actually what, when I talked earlier, when we started into the discussion, when Iris Balin um, at the farmer's market was looking for a zucchini bloom, she had seen them over in Europe. 
and she wanted them here for a party and she couldn't find them anywhere. And we had grown zucchini traditionally for 40 years in my dad's business and uh, just never had even heard of such a thing. And it been around forever, but we're actually right now even picking again, the goal of the plant is to reproduce. That's what it's, that's what it's trying to do with a zucchini. If you keep cutting that zucchini off, it doesn't think that it's reproduced a mature seed yet. You go away for a long weekend and you come back in your garden and now they're as long as your arm. Now, now the plant says, okay, I've done my job because the seeds are really big in it. The same thing with a cucumber. But as long as you're picking that zucchini off small, then it hasn't done its job. It thinks it hasn't done its job and it just continues to reproduce. But um, from the field last fall where we had arugula planted or mustard greens, we're now picking arugula blooms and we're picking mustard blooms and we'll soon to be picking some broccoli blooms and kale blooms. And again, every single part of that plant can offer something really wonderful to the plate. And it's really just sticking with that plant and letting it grow out and then being able to pick off. And I love to, to eat the stalk of the broccoli too. And when I'm, if I'm cooking, I've got the steaming water on, I'm going to, I'm going to put those in first because they are a little bit more dense and it takes a little longer and then put the heads of broccoli that are more tender in a couple of minutes later. But even when you peel that broccoli skin off, you know, there's an old, there's an old farmer doctor joke and it's, it's a clean joke and I'm not going to go into it, but the sum and substance was the doctor came and made a house call and there were pig, there was potato skins on the back porch and he had a family member sick and the doctor said, what are the, I see the bucket of potato skins on the back porch. And he said, well, we had, you know, mashed potatoes for Sunday supper yesterday. And so we were going to slop the hogs with the potato skin. And the doctor says, well, it's no wonder your family is sick. You're feeding the pigs better than you're feeding your family. We peel a carrot, we peel a beet, we peel an apple, we peel a peach and we throw away in that skin. There's a lot of nutrition. And I guess what I'm saying is, when we even peel that broccoli, make a vegetable stock mm. because there's still nutrition in that. There's never a reason to throw any of this away. And we can utilize every single part. You can make a wonderful vegetable tea and, and they're, they're fun. We do a sweet corn tea that's with the, with the silks of the sweet corn. Take the silk that grows. There's, it's an interesting side note that nobody really needs to know and they can live, live the rest of their lives. But the silk that comes out of the end of the kernel for every silk, there's a kernel of corn and those attach back to a kernel. But this, even the silks can make a beautiful sweet corn tea in the middle of the season when you get sweet corn and you take it home from the farmer's market and you pull those husks off and you throw the silk and you throw the husk away. You can put that in and make a wonderful, delicious sweet corn tea. Oh, that's a great idea. Or even a broth for like some chowder or something. That would be really Absolutely. nice. Too. Really? Well, Farmer Lee Jones, thank you so much for being here and for enlightening us and for inspiring us to eat the whole plant from top to bottom. And I encourage everyone to go to the Chef's Garden website and the link will be on my website. But if you could just say your URL, it's chefs. Chefs-garden.com. Great. And so we'd love for you to share recipes or dishes that you guys create. Uh, throughout the season, uh, send them over to my Instagram, Farmer Lee Jones, and share with us what we're doing. And if there's anything we can ever do to help, 
please eat your vegetables and eat the rainbow. Get as much color into your diet as you can. Follow the rhythms of nature. Let nature decide what you're going to eat today and tomorrow and next week. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. I couldn't have said it better myself. See you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you start to look at the produce you buy in a whole new way from top to bottom. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Farmer Lee Jones and the chef's garden and join me next time for another one real good thing.